Blog Talk Radio.
right, everyone, welcome to the end with you, and I had to let it play that riff, uh, in case you don't know it, I'm still a Pink Floyd fan, will always be a Pink Floyd fan, and the hell with the establishment, they can kiss my royal rear end, and that is if it ever becomes royal, but until then, they can kiss my pauper rear end, but, uh, Anyway, welcome to the show. Glad you could join us. There's a lot to talk about, and I don't even know where to begin. Uh, As you know, or as most of you should know, uh, we have Boner, I mean, excuse me, Boehner, as Speaker of the House once again. He he barely made it. You know, we had enough. Uh, almost had enough votes to knock him out, but uh, you know they they pressured the incoming Republicans apparently that uh, if they didn't vote for Boehner that they were going to lose whatever committees they were going to be on and they would basically not be functional. So uh, there was some heavy-handedness, some twisting of the arms. As is Washington, you know, it, it's always, you know, the only uh, Boehner, Boehner is just the opposite side of Ted Kennedy. Uh, the only difference is, is that I guess Boehner hadn't ran off the side of the bridge yet with his uh, female acquaintance. But as far as boozing it up, hey. <laughs> Hey, Boehner, he may, he may even have Kennedy beat. But, uh, you know, I, I was really hoping that Louis Gohmert would be Speaker of the House. And I was uh, just pulled up drugs before we came on the air, and I, I saw something that was almost laughable. And, and uh, it's, it's a quote from Boehner saying, uh, I'm I'm the most anti-establishment speaker we've ever had. <laughs> I like to fill out, but uh, yeah, right. Uh huh. And and pigs are flying out my rectum. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he goes on to say that uh, it was directed at the 25 members of his own party. And those who uh, voted against him, and and see, I don't know if I can play this clip or not. Well, I don't have. I've got my mixer set up for some reason. When I dial in the blog talk, it don't want to work. So I don't know why that is. But anyway, let's go to uh, my co-host Brent in San Antonio and see how he is doing this new year. Okay, opening up. There you there, go. There oh, we yes, are. sir. Yeah. yeah I've, I've had an interesting first part of the year. Well, tell us about yeah. it. Well, what's been going on? Well, I I haven't had a cigarette in eight days. I don't even know if you know I really? smoked. No, yep. I, didn't. I didn't. Yep. Well, congratulations, man. Yeah. I, I got one of these e-cigarettes, and uh, it really helps, you know, as far as my yeah. breathing. And, I mean, it's not like I was gagging or anything, you know. I mean, I try to keep myself pretty good shape, you know. And But I've just, I mean, if you go back, man, I took my first chew of tobacco when I was about eight. 
<laughs> yeah, well, and uh, yeah. you know, then in my uh, when I was about thirteen, really started you know dipping on a regular basis, and then I quit dipping when I was about twenty two because it was hurting my jaw and started smoking cigarettes and. So this is my first real attempt in years, and uh, they've got these e-cigarettes out now. And, you know, I'm not going to say that, you know, it takes all the edge away, but, man, it really helps. And, uh, man, if the city council in San Antonio ever tries to ban these things in public, I'm probably going to be, I might even pinch tent, you know, just be first in line, like they do on Black Market Fridays, you know, or Black Fridays. Yeah, we, you know, my mom. <laughs> It's, it's, it's a godsend. It really is for people who really want to quit smoking. Uh, you know, I know it's only eight days, but man, I'm telling you, you know, being addicted to nicotine, you know, for years, it it's real, real, real hard to get off of it. Don't and, tell uh, me about it. Man, I, man, I, I'm, I'm an ex-smoker, so you? Uh, oh yeah, I smoked. I smoked for about. Uh, 20 some odd years 30 years and then you know uh i had to quit for for health reasons because basically they were killing me but uh you know it, my wife's cousin as a matter of fact he was in the hospital for some time he's ex-military you know of course in the military not everybody smokes but uh, he was in the military back in in the 70s and the 80s, and at that time, you know, pretty much everybody smoked. I mean, he he was a glutton for punishment. He was a Marine, and then he turned around and, and enlisted in the Coast Guard and uh, retired out of the Coast Guard. But uh, he was laid up in the hospital for, for months uh, with some sort of an abscess, and he uh, he quit by using e-cigarettes, you know, the the little electronic uh, vapor. And matter of fact, he said he was smoking in the room when the nurse came in. He says, you can't smoke in here. You you can't do that. And he says, hey, chill, chill. It's 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 electronic. You know, ain't gonna pose no threat. You know, it's not a, really a cigarette. Just because I'm blowing out uh, smoke doesn't mean it's a cigarette. <laughs> right yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's really helped me you know because uh man i just if i've ever you know way back when i tried to quit cold turkey and man you talk about just feeling like tough. i was coming out of my skin you know i mean I, I there were times where i remember back in the 90s um i tried to quit and i was i was working in my uh, first real estate office back then one of my co-workers came in and they looked at me and they were like you look freaking strange right now. What's going on? I'm like, I see double. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I literally was seeing double, you know, coming off of the nicotine. And, uh, but man, yeah, it's just yeah. one, one day at a time, you know, is all I can if say. Some, so far, so good. If people out in the audience don't understand or never have smoked, you know, I encourage you never to start, but, uh, you know, I I can't explain how tough it is. It's, it's you know I can't say it's probably as tough as getting off heroin, but or something of that uh, sort or alcohol. But I'd say it, it's damn near it. You know, because uh, I'll be the first one to tell you. I don't know about you. I love tobacco, but 
course, I stay away from it. You know, right. there was nothing, nothing better than a cigarette after a meal or after, you know, as they say, other things. But uh, it, 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 tobacco, I mean, it was great. Only problem is it's so bad for you, you know. Yeah. Just as anything is, as they say, in moderation, in most smokers, you know, what's moderation? You know, it's uh, is it one cigarette, two cigarettes, whole pack, two packs. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, I can't say I did not enjoy smoking. I did enjoy smoking, you know, but uh I did have a wake-up call when I had pneumonia, and I don't I tell you what. If you ever get pneumonia as a smoker, it's it's tough. I mean, you know, I barely came out of that because uh, you know, uh, breathing alone as a long-time smoker can become challenging. Let alone having uh, pneumonia on top of that. So. You know. yeah, what I've found is, you know, like I said, I try to, you know, I try to go to the gym, you know, pretty, I'm not going to say real regular, but, but uh, you know, pretty regular. Just, And it's not so much that my muscles start aching, it's it's the damn breathing, you know. Uh, you know, smoking those cigarettes, it's just, it makes it that much harder to, you know, do the things you want to do. And I'm getting older, you know, I'm 46 years old now, I'm like, man, I, there, there comes time where you just, you gotta make a choice, and hopefully oh, yeah. I'll stick with it. You know, all I know is I got eight days so far. So far, so good, and I hope it continues. Well, I, hey man, I'll be the first one to congratulate you and, and keep 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 it going because uh, you know the longer you go without one, the better you'll feel, and. You know, it'll, it'll be definitely a relief on your pocketbook. I can tell you that. I don't know how much a pack of cigarettes runs now, but uh, five dollars back now. But, oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah I, I remember. I, I remember my granddaddy uh, when he was alive. He uh, he was a truck driver, so. When he would come through Kentucky, he would always stop off and buy, I mean, just cartons of cigarettes. And this was back when they were less than a dollar a pack, you know. And he would he would bring them back pretty much to my mother and I because my mother smoked, I smoked. And, you know, we would, uh, you know, I remember many days when I'd sit there and smoke talk to my, my, my granddad, my mom, my grandma. She was a smoker, too. You know, yeah. I was raised with smokers. Uh, and I tell you what, my the one of the worst memories I have as a kid was uh, riding with my granddad, my grandmom, and then they would leave the windows up and they would be smoking. Of course, I didn't <laughs> smoke at that age, but Right. You know, you're smoking whether you realize it or not. I can tell you that. But uh, it was like, you know, please roll down the windows. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those days too, man. My, uh, I had an aunt, my aunt Ann. She did the same thing. She lived in a little. She'd come pick me up every so often and take me to her. She had a little uh, farm down. It's a little small town called Kirbyville, Texas. 
out in the middle of nowhere. And I remember that ride, man, because she would smoke those real, you know, the women, a lot of the women back then, they smoked those real long ones. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. It just never seemed to go down to the butt. You know, they just lasted forever. And, uh, yeah. And <laughs> no windows rolled down or anything. <laughs> well, then those, uh, it was basically it was like cigarillos, or it was almost like you know a uh, a uh, cigar, you know a small cigar. Those became popular, and then of course I knew people that, you know, they were really hard timers. They they smoked camels without the filter on them, and you know, and I did that a time or two when I was desperate, didn't have cigarettes, smoked camel, but. Uh, you know, I'm glad I'm free of that. I couldn't imagine the expense, you know, yearly if you're uh, basically a habitual smoker, you know, because five dollars a pack, my gosh, and you had that up in a year's time. Yeah, it is. It's so I feel like I've gotten a rate, you know. The I mean, I know we're going to talk about gas prices, but you know. Gas prices are down, and plus quitting smoking, so I'm keeping a little bit of, you know, money in my pocket. <laughs> well, man, I am glad for you because I tell you, it's one of the hardest things I've ever. You know, how I quit. I tell you how I quit. Yeah. Uh, you know those little plastic stirrers, you know, that you stir coffee with. Yeah. Uh, I I I chewed on those, and huh. you know, used it kind of like a cigarette and. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I quit the cigarettes and I'm still smoking straws. <laughs> that's, that's after about 10 years, I'm still smoking straws. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad you're, you're, I'm glad you're making it this New Year's. Uh, as for me, uh, you know, I started off the, my New Year. First, I got, uh, another epidural shot in my bag. That was my Christmas present from uh, pain management, and so, and then uh, this. Well, shortly I've got I got a cataract in one of my eyes. I got to get that taken out. That's just one of the things about getting older. Plus, you know, I'm I'm diabetic, and so you know, it's just one of those things, and. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm not telling the government anything they don't already know. So, you know, and it's actually I enjoy talking like this rather than talk about all the bad stuff that we need to talk about because, you know, it's, it's oh, man, I don't know where to begin. You know, uh, Boehner getting Speaker of the House, that was a big disappointment i don't i can't tell you how much of a disappointment that was you know i, I, I don't I, know I had what a feeling. i mean my, my gut was it was going to happen you know um i'm not gonna you know we, we've got a choice to make you know and I, i've looked and seen everybody's reactions and it's not the end of the world i guess it's not the end of the world you know and like you and I have talked about so many times, and if there's anything I ever want to stress on this show, it is nothing's going to happen overnight. It's a process. And John Boehner's 
by no means my choice. He's not yours. He's not the majority of the people that follow us. But it, it, it's it's not the end, you know. Oh uh, no, it's not the there, end. There, there's going to be some people who are going to hold him responsible, uh, hold him to the fire, and anything you know. Anything is. But my favorite thing is seeing that Harry Reid no longer has that gavel in his hands, and that Harry oh, yeah. Reid no longer controls what comes to the Senate floor. I know it's a, you know Boehner's in the House and Reid's in the Senate. Well, but that, hey, not that only not only did bitch, he... I don't know what happened to him. I you know I've, I I know about every exercise machine there is out there, and I don't know what kind of exercise machine he was on. <laughs> I don't know if it was called the electronic kangaroo kick your ass in the face uh, and beat your ass, but I've never seen anybody fall off of an exercise machine and have those kind of injuries. It, it makes no sense. Well, I thought it, it was hilarious. I was going to say is that it, it looked <laughs> like somebody took that gavel and, and just beat his ass. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, it's just like you say. How how can somebody get busted up ribs? Basically, his his eye almost knocked out of his socket. You know, I was saying on Facebook, it looked like you know he got back to Vegas and the mafia just <laughs> tore into him, man. Shot the bull. Yeah, he says, "Look, I." I told you I would bricker your face. You come back here and you not pass that legislation that I told you to pass. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've heard a few people they they're, they're they're thinking maybe he got a hold of a hooker and uh, that she just beat the crap out of him. You know, I don't know. We we can guess all, but I, I just know I've never seen an exercise machine do that to a human being in my whole life. Well, the rumor is, I don't know if you realize it, but the rumor is that he and uh, Michelle Obama were doing a exercise demo, and they started <laughs> doing the bump, and it was all over. I mean, poor Harry goes flying. You know, they had to they had to look for him for about an hour, and they finally found him unconscious. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but, hey, man, you got to have a sense of humor about all this, you know. And now out in your territory, they're, they're you know, in Dallas, Fort Worth, they're, they're talking about fracking, how fracking is uh, causing the earthquakes. And, of course, all the lefties are going, you know, in the fracking, in the fracking, in the fracking. And they uh, Beck had one on uh, one of the guys who had written, you know, one of these expert geologists. To, of course, he had been misquoted uh, all this time in the mainstream media. Which imagine that. Uh, and he said that he's that in certain conditions that the variables had to be just right for fracking to have any impact. On earthquakes, they basically have to be fracking over a fault line for uh, fracking to do any sort of damage or cause, you know, any disruption at all to the earth below. Uh, so 
But of course, they leave out. Uh, they selectively put the sound bites together in the mainstream media, and that's another thing we'll get to. Is that uh, Charlie, whatever the name of the newspaper in France, you know, and, and the twelve that got killed, and uh, the mainstream media that they will not even show their viewers exactly what the paper is or or give any kind of in, indication as to what what the uh, paper entails because they're scared that uh, of attacks from radical Islamists. And, you know, but I'm telling you, it, what's really scary is France their citizenry seems to be standing up and telling them, you know, I'm. As a matter of fact, they were all they were gathered by the thousands, holding up signs saying, "I am Charlie," you know, just basically telling the Muslim world, the jihadist, that uh, you know, screw you. I mean, there's more of us than there are of you. And I don't have a problem with Islam. I really don't. But I do have a problem with who Islamists who think that I owe them something because I have differing views than they do. And, you know, Islamists, uh, well, they're taught in the Quran that anyone who is not Muslim or is not Islam are infidels. I mean, it's it's pretty much straightforward is what it says in the Quran. And, you know, Islam is not a religion of peace. And you start getting the radical element in there, then that's what you're going to begin to see. And if you start, if you waver in terms of your resolve, and of course we have certainly wavered with uh, our commander-in-chief who I'm sure happens to be Muslim, and you know, as a matter of fact, I somebody just had posted a article on Facebook, and I'm going to post it in the chat because we have somebody in the chat, and it it this doesn't surprise me a bit. Let's see, oh, yeah, there we go. Uh, just posted the link to it and. It's from the Center for Global Research or the Center for Research on Globalization. And the article says, just as the Islamic State, which they refer to as ISIL, gets exposed as a fake U.S. enemy, a wag-the-dog terrorist attack in Paris, question mark. So they're implying, says, uh, with information just breaking that, the United States has been airdropping arms, food, and medical supplies to Islamic State of Iraq and Levant uh, forces in Iraq, supposedly the world's latest terrorist enemy on steroids. What has been suspected all along is now being confirmed. So uh, then it goes on to say, to add fuel to the fire, this news comes just as warmonger Senator McCain got busted for secretly and illegally entering Syria to meet with ISIL to coordinate strategy on that war front. So, 
I don't know the credibility of this publication, but it does not surprise me at all, being uh, the events of Libya and the events of Benghazi, and we know that uh, this administration has been supplying arms, has even talked of admitted to supplying arms to radical elements in the Middle East. So, you know, now that we have total instability in the Middle East, and now we've got instability now in Europe with Islamic elements, uh, and we've got instability now in the U.S. with the separatists as far as uh, racism uh, and, you know, which breaks my heart because it's it's everywhere, you know, that people have jumped on the, the race bandwagon. And, you know, I, I've heard it from people I would have never expected. As a matter of fact, one of the big disappointments uh, about the new uh, residents in the house is that Mia Love, I don't, I don't know what her strategy is, but she joined the Congressional Black Caucus. So, you know, I, I, like I said, I don't know if she's got a strategy there. She's trying to, you know, work on by becoming a member or if uh, that's going to remain one to see because, you know, Mia Love was one of those, I absolutely loved and adored and as a conservative because of uh, the way she presented it herself. And I hope it was legitimate and truthful. But, uh, you know, I don't know how things are going in Texas uh, with, uh, what's his name, y'all, with y'all's uh, communist-in-chief as mayor, but how is that going? Who, ours? Yeah. Well, we have our new our new mayor is uh, Ivy Taylor. Oh, okay. So y'all got rid yeah, of yeah. Julian Castro. He's now the head of the uh, uh, housing authority. And so the new mayor that we got is the first black female uh, mayor in San Antonio. She comes from the East Side District. I can't remember the number of the district. But so far, she has not made any waves. Um, you know the city council is pretty, pretty silent as compared to whenever Castro was in office. And I know we had the big. I know we had Brandon uh, on. You know, with the Tea Party, and and they wanted to put a uh, some sort of a, a, a streetcar deal in in San Antonio downtown, which is not, we talked about this. It's not big enough for streetcars. I mean, it's not. You know, it's not like Houston's downtown or anything. And she. Pretty, you know, people. I think people were expecting her to come in and try to revive it, but she shut it down. She said, "No." She goes, "The people, uh, you know, really need to be the ones that decide on this, and not just you know ten members of a city council." So so far, so good. Oh yeah, well that's a good. Sign. She's Democrat, I mean, but I'm 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 cool with her so far. Yeah, I mean, putting it up as a referendum and and letting the people vote on it is the way it should be, and. Uh, but I'm glad y'all got rid of Castro, although that I don't know that that position he may be fulfilling now is going to, you know, help us out. Oh, yeah, and another thing that came out 
this week is uh, I did not realize it, and uh, there were two economists on back yesterday uh, that were talking about the uh, new derivative swap that is taking place that uh, most people probably don't know about. You know that uh, I did not know about it. I try I try to stay up on this stuff, and I did not know about it. And what it is is that back after 2008, uh, Dodd and Frank, I think, had sponsored legislation or to rewrite a bill in terms of uh, how derivatives are, you know, traded and should they be traded at all. And basically what they did, they... uh, they changed, They basically reversed the wording. Nothing changed in the in the legislation. All they did was just rearrange the wording. So, uh, Bank of America, not Bank of America, but J.P. Morgan, and also uh, was the only one, Chase. I think J.P. Morgan is Chase, and uh, City. City. They have trillions. I'm I'm talking about to the tune of $80 trillion in derivatives that they have been traded or that they have traded. And, of course, derivatives being those subprime mortgages that, uh, you know, basically brought down the dominoes in 2008. They're at it again. They're doing it again. And... You know, nobody is talking about it, of course. You know, there's very few people. Well, I haven't heard anybody talk about it. It's the first time I've heard it, that even though after 2008, after the derivative bust with subprime mortgage lending, uh, that they're doing it again. And if Carol comes on, we'll get into that because... Uh, basically, it gets into the G20 and the UN and uh, Agenda 21 and what they call microfinance. And if you don't know what microfinance is, it's basically uh, it is subprime lending. In other words, you lend it to people who can least afford it at little or no interest. And then, you know, it, they can pay it back, fine. If they don't, then uh, it gets written off. And yeah, what, what that is, I know where you go. I'm, I'm very familiar with it. It's called a mortgage insurance premium. What happens is whenever you have low-income people, then they, go, they usually go through the FHA. The reason they go through FHA is because it requires a lower down payment. And you have the mortgage insurance premium, which has been 1.35% of the total loan amount. And Barack Obama decided that he was going to go with 0.85. Okay, and it does over, you know, every year it saves that home buyer, um, you know, they put on average $900 a month. Well, I ran the numbers, and you're, you know, you have to have an average price of a home about $150,000 to hit that amount. And what it is, it's a default insurance that benefits the lender, but the home buyer pays for it. And, uh, you know, if you run the numbers on a $100,000 house, 
uh, you know, you're looking at saving maybe $75 a month. So if you buy a $150,000 house, you're looking at a little over $100 a month is what a homeowner would save. And there was an article today, I think it, it, what surprised me was Yahoo Finance that put it out. And if you look at home ownership nowadays and you compare it to the rental market, there's right now there's not a whole lot of brightness, if you, I guess is the best word I can say, because as a you know if you bought something in say 1993 and you had the same home until 2005 heck yeah you made a good amount of money you know just from the equity in your home but nowadays the market is not fluctuating those big those big amounts in some areas it's going down in some areas it's remaining stagnant but you're not really seeing those big numbers big percentage gains that we've seen in the past. And so what Obama's doing is basically, you know, saying, hey, the American dream is to have that home, blah, 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 blah. The future that I'm seeing in real estate is not going to be all that great. And he's trying to present it as, you know, this this big American dream. And what's going to happen is these people are going to get in these homes, put the low payment down. They're going to have their monthly, uh, you know, just like if they're renting, they're going to have a monthly note. But when it comes time to fix the roof or it comes time to fix it, have you priced air conditioners nowadays? No. Uh -uh. Wow. I mean, wow. When I was in real estate back in the late, in the 90s and in the 2000s, you know, you might pay 900 bucks for a brand new unit. You're looking at five grand nowadays. It's you ridiculous. No, it's ridiculous. And so what's going to happen is these people are, who have all their lives, they've depended on their landlord taking care of all these expenses, are now going to come to reality and realize they're responsible for that new roof. They're responsible for that plumbing bill. They're responsible for that air conditioning bill. So it's, I mean, I'm not saying it's, you know, good or bad, but, but a lot of people are going to be surprised if they can barely pay that monthly mortgage. And then they have a big expense that happens, and they realize they're responsible and not the bank. <laughs> it's going to open yeah. some eyes. Well, plus that, too, is that uh, if they default on the subprime lending or on these low-interest loans, uh, just like before, uh, it'll be, you know, J.B. Morgan, Chase, in City. They'll be too big to fail, and guess what? We'll be on the hook once again for yep. bailing them out. But I'm telling you, you know, and Carol will, Carol tell, you will tell you too that this game, this is, game coming is coming to a close. To a close. And, and the reason being is because uh, uh, the, IMF the IMF is going is to take, going the place take the place of the Federal, of Reserve. Federal Reserve. And that's and coming, coming, you know, it's. You know, it's, it's not publicized it's yet, of course, yet, of course, but, but it's, it's waiting, waiting on a global, a global meltdown, meltdown of the world's economies. World's economies. Uh, uh, and, and basically what we have known we as the Federal Reserve, Reserve for all these years, the IMF the will IMF take the other place on a global, on scale. A global scale. And then, and then it's called Bancor. 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 And if you look and up the term, what it is, it's it's not it's 
money based, money on, based units. on units. And those and units, those uh, you, units, you know, are you put into are put your account. Or, or will be put into your account by the IMF is how it will work. And basically, they'll have a commodity-based economy that's uh, completely based on gold reserves. There, there will be no more printing of dollars any longer. Anyway, speaking of which, I think we got Carol on the line. So I'm going to go ahead and open it up and see if that is indeed her. Miss Carol. Miss Carol. Hey, gentlemen, Brent, Michael, how are y'all? Hello, how are you doing? Doing well. Glad, glad to hear you. So we're talking so, about economics? Oh, yes, ma'am. We yeah, just have gotten into it. Yeah, just kind of, I'm going to kind of break in here, Carol. Just give you guys an idea. I know we posted the show that Donnie Touche was going to be on. Um, Donnie is... He is an incredible chef. Uh, he's my age, late 40s, but he does have Parkinson's, and he had a little accident, and uh, I think he's having to heal up. Um, he told us that later on in the day uh, that he would, you know, might not be able to, you know, make it. Um, I think he's got some pain in his wrist, his ribs, and, um, you know, prayers for him. Uh, the Parkinson's, you know, messes with your balance, and you can go down a set of steps, and next thing you know, you're you're on the ground, you know. But, but I tell you what, man, that guy, you know, he he uh, he's the first person. I, I come from an area where there's a lot of refineries. The cancer rate's a little bit higher than other parts of the country, and we've had several of our friends, you know, high school friends that have come down with cancer. I'll tell you what, the first guy who ever steps up and says, I'm going to have a benefit and I'm going to I'm gonna step it up and get some donations and I'm going to cook the best meal you've ever had for whoever shows up is him. Uh, he's an inspiration. And uh, prayers go out tonight. I hope he's okay. But he probably won't be joining us tonight. And uh, so I just oh. wanted to, you know, clear, clear that up for our audience. So I think, I think well, he's sleeping right now. I think he took some pain meds and he's... Well, he's a fantastic chef because I have listened when he's been on, and some of the the recipes are just fantastic. I would love to try some of his food if I ever got a chance. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you, he's something else. You know, he, he served our country in the Navy, and then he got out and went to the Louisiana Culinary Institute and he went for it, you know, became the youngest executive chef in the country, you know, before the age of 30. And, uh, but he just, he, the guy's amazing. I mean, it, he, he blows me away with the things that he, you know, talks about when it comes to, you know, cooking a good meal, how much heart he puts into it. But you never know, he might wake up and show up tonight. That's how he is. Hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm well, still trying does, to get to up and listen. <laughs> well, I'm still trying to get the drool off my desk from the last time he was on. <laughs> because, uh, you know, he, oh, man, he talks some good cooking. I'm telling you, whenever I get through listening to him, it's like, what the hell have I got to praise it? I got some sausage. I got some <laughs> See, what can, what can I fix up? <laughs> But, uh, but that's fine. That's we we fine. wish Donnie the best. Donnie but I, you know, I, I, I know how it is. And, and 
totally understandable. So uh, hopefully we can get him on before next Christmas. But, uh, you know, we'll wait till he heals up. And um, we'll certainly wish him the best when we get off the air. So, uh, yeah. Uh, we'll talk about economics in the meantime with our economics expert. Man, I, Carol, I mention your name all the time when we talk about this stuff because, you know, you know it as good as anybody I've ever seen on television. And, you know, I have to give you kudos every time because, uh, you know, your your knowledge and expertise is just unreal. And, I, you know, for a farmer. <laughs> hey, farmers aren't as dumb as a lot of people think we are. <laughs> oh, I know that. Farmers are the smartest people. The best commodity we have are the farmers. Oh, yeah. That's the only people who's going to save our hind end, the farmers. Well, we wish we could. It depends on how how far the... United Nations implements Agenda 21 on everybody. Yeah, well, that's one reason I love having you on is to be able to uh, discuss this topic because people don't realize how close we are to the the scale tips. Right. We have to. We have till 2018. Uh, I I don't know I'm 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 not even thinking we have that long. I'm well, why do you say 2018, Kerr? Okay, um, I ran across a document from the Turkish G20 presidency, and it has Turkish G20 president priorities for 2015. So I'm going to read the first paragraph from this document. It says, the G20 has so far taken significant strides in designing and launching policy frameworks in many areas. In November 2014, as the members of the G20, we have agreed on the Brisbane Action Plan and plan to undertake about a 1,000 commitments that, if fully implemented, will add more than USD $2 trillion to the global GDP and generate millions of additional jobs for our citizens by 2018. Likewise, for a number of work streams within the G20, including financial regulation, international tax, and international financial architect, words have played their part. 2015 will be the time for the deeds and the year of implementation. In other words, it's saying 2015 is the year that they're getting the kickoff on the SDRs. And the year 2018 will be the third and final stage. Okay, and I assume in 2018 will be... Uh, they have the entire infrastructure in place for each and every individual as far as depositor, et cetera, you know, into this new banking system. Hey, Brent, I I, I muted your microphone because I I think the echo is coming from you. So, uh, 
I don't know if you did something differently, but no, uh, no, I'm no, not hearing echoes. No, Brent's not echoing, and I don't think I am. Am I? Well, well, okay. Well, I, I, turned, I muted me, but anyway, I, I just did. The, I'm used to it. It happens from time to time. I hate Skype. I really do. I should, I should just dial on my phone. Okay. Well, let's go on with with just a little bit more of this document. Another paragraph, it says, on the demand side, enhancing project preparation, effective project privatization, and developing more efficient public-private partnership models will be our target. Now, if everybody will think about it, and I'm sure Brent and Michael know this, in United Nations documents, it has public-private partnership all over the, in black and white. It says, with regard to financial intermentation, Turkish presidency will attribute great importance to non-traditional sources of lending. Among those, we will especially emphasize equity-based financing with a particle focus on the new modulus of asset-based financing, which is important for interfracture investment and a good way of diversity the risk. I, this one says, the third one says, says completing the IMF reform. Now, this IMF reform was developed or created in 2010. Our government was supposed to have voted on this twice. Well, yeah, twice. I you had the uh, budget bill. Wait a minute, you had three because you had Ukraine crisis. It was added in that, and they took it out of there. I and then you had the budget bill. That was take it was in there and they took it out of that. And then Lagarde, who is the head of the International Monetary Fund, thought it would be in the spending bill. Alright, so it was not. So now she has said they will implement plan B reforms in January. Which means if she carries out this with the International Monetary Committee without the United States involvement, and I'll, they will give the majority veto vote to China. And at this time, our quota is where well, the USD stands at 44%, and I'm positive that the percentage will go down. And, of course, our dollar is is in deflation now, even though they say it's going up. I I believe that they will devalue our dollar more. Yeah, do you, uh, you think, because I've noticed that uh, goods and services are still stagnant. Stagnant. You know, they, they, they may not be inflating, or at least the rate of inflation is not as much, it seems, but it seems like uh, goods and services should be following this devaluation trend, shouldn't it? It should. 
and all goods and services will be evaluated and all they have got to make their 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 agenda is to bring us into what I call a super nova massive socialism every country will supposed is supposed to be on an equal basis okay okay now now, I, I saw something interesting, not to change the subject, but uh, it's in reference to what we're talking about. It's the cover of Economist magazine. Oh, yeah. Very familiar with that. Okay. The the images that were on there were were very reminiscent of the you know the the, the mural type mural images type at images Denver International Airport. Airport. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but yeah, there's a yeah. I'm not. I guess it's the latest issue of it, but uh, of course, the Economist magazine is uh, owned in part, at least, or if not full. By Rasha, so it's almost like it's the symbolism in that cover is going right along with exactly what we're talking about here. It is. There is a, an image in there that, of course, with with the involvement in the economic sector, trying to figure out everything that they're doing. It's got a panda and a speedo. And, uh, and it's got the, uh, Chinese, got the Chinese, which means, which means that China, China is going to be the powerhouse, powerhouse which we have which known for quite some time from the, from the document of the Global Governance 2025. And then, of course, and then with all this, is going, going up. And my theory on the international monetary reform not being voted by our government, I truly believe it's to give China... Give China the step up on the committee as the major veto power. Okay. Okay. Uh, do, do you think that? I mean, at some point, they will no longer be able to hide or work in the shadows. They're going. I mean, it's going to come out exactly what the game is. But I, you know, I know they're. Uh, they're trying to masquerade it as wrong as possible. And I'm just wondering when there's no no way they can uh, the well any of the people around the world can ignore exactly what is taking place. Yeah, I know they're doing it to to protect their own skins, but you know, I believe what I think what they're afraid of is. What kind of effect it will have on the United States stock market once it all comes out? Because see, they are switching over the commodities, everything that's traded on the stock market into the special drawing right. Okay. Well, right now it seems that the trend is that they they are uh, divesting. I mean, it, it it started first, I think, with the Rockefellers pulling out of the oil market. Right. They went into what is called C-E-R-E-S, Cirrus. And uh, they took all their stock or their finances out of the oil in 
into the green agenda. Cirrus is a investment type situation. And if you look on the website, it was several months ago, I had mentioned it, I think on your radio show, and I know I did on Joanne and Scott, where the unions were very involved in this also. All the ones that are connected in pushing our country into the communist direction was all involved in that at that conference that they held. Okay, and you said the name of it was Cirrus? Uh, it's C-E-R-E-S. C-E-R-E-S. All right, I'll have to, I have to look that one up and see who's on the board of directors. Well, uh, I remember whenever whenever the Rockefellers decided they were going to get out of all the oil stocks. Do you? I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but do you know how many fund investors are jumping on board with this? How many have actually pulled money out? At this time, I really don't know, but I feel like it is a large quantity. I I, I knew it was. I, I just didn't know the exact number. But that's just amazing yeah. how how one you know one fund can say, "Hey, we're pulling out," and then all of a sudden, exactly. Well, see, I know that George Soros is involved, and then or you've got the unions. Um, you know, I feel like in the background somewhere our government's involved, and of course China, and and all. And the reason why I feel this way is because I found a document tonight or an article. I'll put it this way. Where China is, of course, I had already stated on Joanne and Scott's radio show Monday night that China has made a large investment in Saudi. And they are building one of the largest oil refineries in Saudi. Qatar and Syria have pegged, already pegged to the special drawing fund or drawing rights. All right, tonight I found an article where it showed, let's see, let me go to my wall because I've got it posted there trying to wake up people. <laughs> uh, let's go down. All right, it says, Saudi Arabia, China signed Nuclear and Renewable Energy Agreement. Oh, that that's scary. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the uh, Cirrus website now. As a matter of fact, uh, they've got a a video up here. If you want me to play the audio, I can. It might be pretty interesting. Uh, hold on a moment. Let me. I don't. I'm not sure how long it is. Let me see how long it is. Yeah, let me play yeah, this for a second. This, this may be pretty interesting. Great. But what if you had trillions of dollars to spend tackling global environment? for the planet and that's great but what if you had trillions of dollars to spend tackling global environmental issues what would that look like 
think big. Bigger. Even bigger. Here's the thing. You're doing what you can to reduce your impact. But households account for less than 10% of all carbon emissions in the U.S. Industry and transportation make up the rest. And they do have trillions of dollars to spend. Just imagine if the world's largest investors and companies invested in solutions that protect the environment and preserve their bottom line. What would that look like? At Ceres, we work with the world's largest companies and investors, as well as policymakers, challenging them to transition away from fossil fuels to greener, cleaner technologies. And it's having an impact. From structural changes to clean energy commitments, 80% of Ceres partner companies now have greenhouse gas reduction goals, and 74% have renewable energy initiatives in place. That's the bigger we're talking about at Ceres. Take water. Globally, water shortages threaten lives, communities, and local economies. What if you had trillions of dollars to address water shortages? What would that look like? Think big. Even bigger. Agriculture and industry account for 90% of all water use. That's why Ceres works with our global network of investors and companies to change how businesses and utilities value and manage water. So municipalities replace outdated systems with more efficient ones. And energy producers work to reduce their water use. At Ceres, we understand that solving the planet's environmental challenges will require a transformation of the global economy. So we're working to boost investments in low-carbon solutions and change the way companies do business to create a healthy planet and a sustainable economy. It's big thinking for big returns. Join us and think big. Series. That's right. Okay. Now, and see, this, this article that I found, it stated that uh, China will invest $80 billion for nuclear and $100 billion for solar. All right, and then I found the other night that in Paris, December of 2015 climate talk, carbon derivatives and credit trading system will be on the agenda. This is to solidify a world government which will further turn power to the Chinese controlling the CO2 content of the totally international zone known as the air. This framework for a technically a eugenics platform on a scale that Himmler would only have dreamed about. John Kerry spends more time talking about climate change than banking and financial concerns. And there is a good reason for this, because this new carbon trading framework is actually a new economic paradigm for the world. So he is, in fact, talking about finance and not environment. All right, then it went on down and said at the G20 meeting in November, China and the United States President Barack Obama forced climate changes onto the G20 agenda, despite the reluctance of host Tony Abbott, 
which is from Australia, raising expectations for the Lima Summit. It says, according to the World Bank, carbon pricing is either in place or being introduced in jurisdictions responsible for more than 22% of emissions. Others are planning it also. The success of the coalition's replacement policy, primarily a budget fund to pay for emission cuts, will depend on a yet-to-be-designed safeguard mechanism to stop companies from increasing emissions. Yeah, I'm looking at, oh, God, there's the Elk War. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at their website now, and they've got the uh, major milestone for series. It's their 25th anniversary. And it says on January 27th, uh, 2015 series will host series 25. The future is now. Yes. It's a a celebration in New York York City with celebrity guests, a sustainable, sustainable (laughs) this is funny, a sustainable dinner dinner and exclusive access to some of the most, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, this is too funny, man. Uh, Series 25 will offer you a truly unique experience. Experience. So, rather than getting an umbrella in your drink, they're going to give you a wind farm in your cocktail. Well, hey, I told both of y'all, when was it, a couple of shows back, where I had found United Nations books on how to prepare different insects. Like cricket, worms, beetles, roaches. Yeah. Well, I I wonder if they'll be eating that. Probably so. I thought those people kept those as pets. (laughs) Beetles, put them on little leashes. Right, exactly. I don't remember who the... A lot of times I'll watch uh, cooking shows. And there was a gentleman that lives, I think, around Vermont or Maine. And he was talking about that he prepared a insect dinner for United Nations diplomats. And he was talking about it was black tie, ladies were in evening gowns, and the dinner was in New York. Yeah, I wish Donnie was on now because Donnie will go off on the Food Network. I mean, as, as a as a real chef, yeah, he, I can imagine he goes nuts because what they're doing, and if you look at it from the way that you know you and I and Mike look at it, there's an agenda there too on the Food Network, and it pisses Donnie. And you got to remember, Donnie was he's I call him a Reagan Democrat, so he's not you know in in the same boat as we are. As far as our thinking and everything, but man, it pisses him off because he's he's like, man, every time the Food Network comes on, they're telling people what they need to eat. You know, key key word being need instead of just enjoying food. Food's there to be enjoyed. It's not there to you know be an agenda on what you you know. So 
that, I wish he was on here because he would probably go off uh, on this insect, you know, well, in Vermont. Well, here, well, here, here's the deal. <laughs> See, food is meant, like you say, to be eaten. But now that but you've now got that big, you agriculture, big agriculture, corporate-owned corporate agriculture, agriculture, like Monsanto, Monsanto and others, and others the, goal the goal is ultimately, is ultimately eugenics. eugenics. People don't understand People don't that, understand is that they're, that trying, they're trying to, to, to basically, basically uh, eliminate, uh, eliminate population. population. I mean... I mean uh, they, have uh, so. they have I said mean, so. I mean, Bill Gates Bill came out and came said, out it and said it on Ted. Ted. You know, he slipped up and on, on Charlie Rose show. You know, yeah. he was yeah. talking about blaming population for the global warming and, you know, get rid of some of us. Yeah, the, 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 he gives millions of dollars to the United Nations on plan oh, on their type of Planned Parenthood. So does Bill Gates and them. Oh, I know, I know, and, and it's all well. There's it's been quoted by Kissinger himself. You know, that those in Africa, the ones that they're so concerned about Ebola, he calls them the useless eaters. So, you know, oh, it, you know it, it, it's, it's, it's the, the Jekyll and the Hyde, Hyde that they on the, on the outside, outside which is, you know, you know uh, feed uh, the poor, feed the, poor, feed the starving feed children, the children, and then what's then on the inside, inside is, is take a take a handgun, stick it to their head, and shoot them. Exactly. Well, I mean, well, you take a you take, take a take glance at the countries that are called pigs, but they're members of the European Union. Let's take one example: Greece. All right, we know for a fact that Goldman Sachs altered their financial records to join the European Union. That's in black and white. All right, Greece did not have the finances to be a part of their financial system. So Greece, in order to have that financial system, had to borrow millions or billions of dollars from the International Monetary Fund. Now they can't pay their loan back, and they're needing more money. But what is the most pathetic part of all this? Their assets as power companies, water companies, are being put up to be sold. And these private investors are buying these power companies, water companies, and then they're regulating the price for water and electricity sky high. And, of course, the unemployment is extremely high. And to the point, young girls, and I'm talking about 12, 13, and 14 years old, are having to get out and prostitute in order for their families to eat. A lot of the people, a lot of the elderly people, have committed suicide. That is a future that the International Monetary Fund gives a country. 
Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, it's uh, I, 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 don't, I don't, you know, this stuff you know, blows this my stuff mind blows because my mind it goes so deep and it's so, and it's so uh, entwined. entwined. It's just like, it's you, just know, like you, you know, once you break open break a open baseball, a baseball you, know, you know, it's all it's the stream that's wound up. And it goes in, you know, 3,000 different directions. Right. And a lot of people in our country do not understand that the Federal Reserve is very much involved in all of this. Matter of fact, the Federal Reserve, the Central Bank of Canada, uh, Central European Bank, the Central Bank of Japan, all these huge banks meet with the Bank for International Settlement. Yeah, and well, the Bank for International Settlement, once everything is completed, the Bank for International Settlement will have the most power. And I'm going to explain a little something tonight. Have you noticed in recently there's been articles about auditing the Federal Reserve? Uh, yes, I have. I have. I've heard them uh, talking about it. Okay, so, my theory is, you know, Yellen is talking about raising the interest rates and how great our economy is recovering. Okay, once she does the raising of interest rates and with the oil crisis that we've been having and all, the audit the Fed will be passed through legislation. This will give the opportunity for our government and our Treasury Department to disconnect from the Federal Reserve. And the reason why I say this is because there are documents the United Nations 2009 that recommends a new global currency and a one-world centralized Bank, Bank, Global Bank, Bank. International Monetary Fund will be that. Yeah, and, well, as you said, that the uh, audit of the Federal Reserve, which you know in your right mind they would never do unless they're trying to find a way to cut it off, to end it. Right. You know, that's I can't I, help that is my theory at this time, and I, I, oh, I think really, right, I really think I'm on the right track. I think you're absolutely right. I think you're, there, there's no doubt in my mind that you you are correct because I well, said all of us know. For instance, our our economy is not recovering, but you notice that last Federal Reserve meeting they were talking about it was that it was, and Yellen was talking about increasing the interest rates, and then we've got. You remember the bank billions that I told both of y'all about? When was it? 2013? I think it was when I was on your radio show and I mentioned about that. Okay, Mark Carney is, he first started off as the Central Bank of Canada. He placed Canada under the banking bailout system. All right, then he moved on to the Bank of England. FDIC met with him and signed an agreement in December of 2012. 
that if the economy, the derivatives, the banks started going back under again, they would take money from the depositors. And if you remember, that's exactly the same thing that happened in Cyprus. I truly believe Cyprus was the test, too. Yeah, I I believe you're absolutely correct. I mean, uh, they have been testing and basically using beta tests all along to uh, get a feel, number one, on how, you know, public reaction. They have been gauging, you know, the response uh, to potential pandemics. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind, like, uh, you know, swine flu, for instance. Right. And then... Well, see, Bernanke uh, stated in a Senate hearing, somebody asked him that if there was a so-called banking bailout, in other words, the banks had to have money and they took it from the depositors, and he said it would not happen in this country unless there was panic. All right, so you raise the interest rates. We know that recovery is no such thing because I'm going to give you a little detail today. I was just looking at some of the corporations and companies that are closing or either laying off. you got Wet Seal. That's a teen fashion closing 338 stores. 3,695 Americans losing their jobs. You've got Coca-Cola laying off 2,000. You've got Caterpillar laying off 200. You've got J.C. Penney's closing 40 stores, 2,250 losing jobs. You've got Goodman in Tennessee closing manufacturing, moving to to uh, Mexico. All right, 2,000 loss of jobs there. And then there was an article that came out today: one million Americans cut from food stamp programs between 2015 and now. In 2016, pardon. Yeah, I saw that. And, and, uh, you know, that's just it. In other words, I I see them setting up for civil uh, discourse, civil unrest. I mean, I see that that floodgate is beginning to open uh, by, you know, what they have done in terms of divisiveness in, in Ferguson, in New York, and, of course, it's... Uh, been uh, placated or orchestrated in other areas of the country, and now they're going to do away with food stamps and their EBTs. Uh, you're looking at basically, you know, and I don't mean this in a bad way at all or in any shape, form, fashion, uh, but, you know, the natives are going to get restless and things are going to get ugly. And it's all going to be, you know, manufactured through this group here that I'm looking at called the series, everyone involved. I looked at uh, basically the the corporations that are working and are involved with this. Right. And and like you were saying, it's it's the plan is laid out for uh, basically the IMF, big business. And our our big corporations and NGOs. In other words, they're all going to be working. Remember, I had told y'all on the last radio show that I was on about SWIFT, capital S W I F T, 
and I sent the document to you and Brent. And I told y'all to glance at it, look over it. And it was talking about March the 3rd, 2015, the United Nations will meet with corporations and SWIFT to talk about the new global reserve currency. All right, you can go to the top of that page and click about, scroll down, go to the United Nations, click that, and you go to Global Compact, where corporations have signed an agreement with the United Nations. So the United Nations, as I stated, in a document in 2009, they were talking about a new global reserve currency, a one-world currency, and a one global centralized bank, which will be the International Monetary Fund. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. So what was the date again? March the 3rd, 2015 is when that meeting is being held. Okay. Uh, and I, I know. And, I, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, I have not seen anything yet that shows that this meeting is not going to be held on time. But January the 25th is when Lagarde was planning on for the international monetary reform to be discussed concerning the United United States not voting for the reform and Plan B being implemented, which means we will lose our major veto. And, of course, China will receive it. And how far they devalue our dollar at that meeting or if they wait a couple of months or a couple of weeks and have another meeting, another emergency meeting, I don't know. But I, too, believe they're going to devalue our dollar even further. Let's go back in time a little bit. Okay, Lagarde came to power how? Y'all remember that? Yes. That was whenever the... The uh, sexual thing yeah. was brought about yeah. against that. Didn't he get released from all of that? Yes. Didn't it turn out to be a big scam? Yes. And actually, there is a video on YouTube where in 2008, Bush was talking about the economic crisis. Well, guess who was standing behind him on the right-hand side? Lagarde, and she was not even part of the International Monetary Fund at that time. Also, I found articles where when Bush was still president, when he attended the International Monetary Fund, or G20, G7, whatever you want to call them, and all, he was very supportive of the International Monetary Reform. And also wanted to increase, increase our part. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was $173 billion. I mean, I'm basically speechless. I don't know what to say. I, I, you know, I know uh, 2008, you know, there was something that just smelled rotten. During the whole tarp, that whole incident. Well, well, uh, yeah, that's that's what got so us all started. Everybody Eddie, thinks that the, that the Tea Party type people started when Barack Obama became president. Absolutely not. This started when George Bush was president. Right, this started exactly. when tarp came right. about. Actually, that's when we were screaming up our lungs. it started with Clinton, and then it worked. Well, it worked on down. I mean, everyone, I'm including Bush Sr., who brought Agenda 21 to our shores. Of course, it was never ratified. 
But Clinton came through the back door and created Sustainable Development Department. Now then, let me say something. If Joanne Marietti was listening to the show tonight, which I wish she was, because she can go into detail, but I know she and I both, well, all of us know that Tim Gessner's father worked with Obama's mother. Right. And I'll, I'll then, yes, and she created uh, a microeconomics on some things. And also, if I'm not mistaken, both of them at one time or another was working under Ford Foundation. Right, right. That is true. That is true. And, and see, that, Tim Kessner is the one that lit it out. See, this is what really bothers me. Americans don't know a lot of things because a lot of our news media does not pick up what's going on, especially at the G20 meetings over when they have them overseas. So you have to go to foreign newspapers to read them. All right, in 2009, I thought, oh, I've got to see what Obama's doing at the G20 in London. Well, sure enough, the Telegraph Daily had a huge article, Tim Gessner states, United States ready to support a new global reserve currency. And that was in 2009. But nobody over here in the United States knew about it until I posted the article on Facebook. Well, see, that's that's another thing. A lot of this planning takes place in what people scoff at and intentionally mislead people about uh, these Bilderberg meetings, which that's where they sit down and organize this whole plan between the banks, the NGOs, and the media, and every one of them are engaged in this thing. Well, hey, you've got at the World uh, Economic Forum, you've got people like the Bloomberg representative. All these news agencies are, are part of it. But they don't go into detail all the things that's discussed. You have to really do a lot of research to find out what they're talking about or what they're discussing. The whole plan for everything is being done by the Bilderberg Group, World Economic Forum. You've got the G20, you've got the G7, you've got the G77. All these are planning every move, every part of our life, if we have a life whatsoever. I got to say, you know, talking about, you know, the news media, what drives me absolutely insane, Carol, Take, for instance, the other night I was watching Fox News. This is probably two weeks ago. And they they had a, you know, one of those alerts. And it said, people from Somalia are coming through the Mexican border, and they're in Minnesota, and they're fighting with ISIS. Did you know that Mike and I talked about Somalians coming across the border of Mexico? Man, we started doing this show July of 2011. I'm thinking at least three years ago, Mike. Remember that? We talked about yeah. that. We said yeah, it's not yeah. just the Mexicans. It's 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 the damn terrorist, right? You know, and and then Fox three, you know, two three years later has this alert. It, it just drives me nuts. 
you know. Right. I mean, you know, we're not getting all the information that we need to know. And, of course, they're not going to give it to us. That's the reason why, you know, people need to turn off your TV and get on your Internet and do some research. A lot of things, all you have to do is sometimes type in International Monetary Reform or LaGuardia or uh, Rothschild. Matter of fact, in one of the Israel newspapers, uh, published, let's see, or articles published, I think it was like three years ago, his nephew was talking about what large investments they had in China. And then you've got Robert Lawrence Kuchin, K-U-C-H-N, who is got a large investment in China. Matter of fact, you remember the Olympics? He was part of the Olympics. And Rahm Emanuel's brother is connected in that organization, ING, I-N-G, with that, that guy's evil. That's, I think Rahm Emanuel's brother is one of the most evil people on the face of the right, earth. He's exactly. very yep. deep into it. Right. I mean, but if you look hard enough, and you, I love investments websites because they can really tell you things that the news media doesn't tell you. And then you've got James Wolferson, who is the former World Bank president. A lot of his, uh, several of his videos on his lecture at Stanford, and all, he's a native from Australia, has American citizenship, dual citizenship. He is the former World Bank president, a member of the Council of Foreign Relations, a real huge friend of the Rockefellers, and all. And he gives this lecture in Stanford, telling the students eighty percent of the middle class will be Chinese, thirty-five percent will be developed countries, meaning the United States. And he's got a huge investment uh, agency in China now. Hmm. So, you know, what I'm trying to understand is where exactly do we, I mean, in, in 10 to 20 years, where exactly do we see ourselves? No middle class. I'll just be honest with you. No middle class. We will be totally under a communist. I'm not kidding, y'all. We will be under a totally communist agenda. It is a global movement towards communism. Okay. Now, do Yeah, go ahead, Brent. Well, I... I don't know. I I can't. I just I can't. I can't live my life like that. I can't say okay, it's going to be like this in ten years. Right. Well, the reason that, why I can say that and you is gotta, because you know me I as an went, individual. I I'll right. fight, man. I right. fight like nobody's business. Right. I mean, all of us will. And all. Yeah. The fact and uh, is they're moving. They're moving. Their, they're moving their agenda. Every time I turn around and I think, well, it'll take them a year or so to finish this. They've already finished that and moving on to the next one. And like I said, we have till 2018. That's three years from now. Before they will have a total new global reserve currency completely created. 
And I truly believe that the International Monetary Fund will be the global bank by then. Yeah, I, that's what I'm trying to figure out as far as, you know, where where exactly where we fit in the global picture. In other words, I, you know, they are so far ahead of the game. Right. My, and if those bank bail-ins are implemented, if there is a financial crisis, and it has to do with the derivatives that the banks are holding, that toxic derivatives, and, uh, and they decide a bank bail-in. People could lose from 30 to 50% of their pensions, retirement, deposits, all that. And land will devalue 30%. And actually, land is already starting to value because the Bank of Canada, the governor of Bank of Canada, made an announcement, I think it was like two and a half or maybe three weeks ago, that land was already overvalued in Canada. And if you think about it, whatever happens in another country, it always washes up on our shore maybe six months or a year later. Yeah, why did he say land was overvalued? Pardon? Why did he say land was overvalued? How did he come up with that? I. I'm not really sure. It was just a really short article. He was talking about. He was talking about that the housing market. Oh, and see, the housing market has already created a bubble in Canada, and he was warning about that. And he said that land was already overvalued, thirty percent, and the value of homes and things like that was creating a bubble. Just like what happened to us in 2008. Of course, it spread all over the United—I mean, all over the world—and it's being created again. I really believe that's what Obama was talking about when you mentioned about the housing market. Yeah, what happened back then was was there was there were too many houses being built. Right. Well, see, that's exactly the same thing that's happened in Canada. There's an explosion. And if you think about a lot, a lot of these were not private homes. But they were, um, what is it, duplex, uh, where you, and then these tall apartment places where you buy your condo, what, a condo, that's what condo. it was. Why? They've really overbuilt in Canada on that. And I know for a fact the same thing is happening here in the United States. Yeah, condos are different. Condos are different. You can't just go in and put a 3% down payment. Condos usually require at least like a 25% down payment. Whole new ballgame. They're really hard to sell. Um, and that was one thing I noticed in Houston. The condo market started going out the roof. They started building those things all over the place. And I'm thinking, how many people are really going to put 25% of the of the down payment down and how is this going to, I don't know, I'm I'm a big picture guy, Carol, you right. know, and I, sometimes it's hard for me to explain I know, I mean, it's sometimes it's hard. <laughs> you know, but he's just looking around going, okay, brain, this is not sustainable. Right, my brain is 200% overloaded. Yep. I have so much information in my brain of everything that's going on. And, uh, I mean, I, at night... I'm having to file everything in a section, what I call a filing section in my brain, because I know so much. And it really aggravates me because I know so much, but I can't get people to understand or want to listen 
to what is happening. Exactly. Oh, I believe exactly me, I know exactly you. what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they stick you over into a corner and say, oh, that's just Carol, who's visible in their mind or her I mean, I, on, on my wall on Facebook, I'll say, oh, looky, 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 read this, read status, you know. And I'll Maybe we all have common core brains where we see it, but you can't get there. <laughs> you can't get people's attention. I mean, right. you know, that is, and I have some that watch every move or every post that I make. And then I have some that I can go on the news feed. And they're posting cutesy pictures and things like that, which is fine. But the problem is that once all this is created and developed, and uh, what are those people going to do if they're not ready in some way or another? I think for me, you know, I'm sitting the this whole show. I've been here. I've been sitting here going, "Hey, I wonder what Carol's biggest fear is or biggest concern." I wonder what Mike's is, you know. For me, I think the true agenda is through the EPA. I really do. Uh, that's, you know, you see these well, ISIS stories, you see the terrorist stories. Uh, yeah, I'm concerned about all of it, you know. Uh, like I said, I'm a big picture guy. But the thing is, the EPA, it, it, it all starts there. You know, I can't Fine. believe Nick even allowed that damn thing to even you know, coming to an existence, because I know these plans have been in place for so long. Well, the EPA, if you look on the EPA website, you can go directly to the United Nations. Yep, just like exactly. The, there you like, go. Just like the Secretary All of State. All interconnected. All everything. Of interconnected, everything. Agenda, a lot of people think, oh, Agenda 21, it looks good. Matter of fact, our local editor of our newspaper told me they had a Vision 2020-something like meeting here in my community. And, of course, my state has the anti-Agenda 21 law, which was passed or which was pushed by my senator. But anyway, I went to that meeting. But, but how, you know, I know I saw that Alabama's first state to do anti-Agenda 21, but federal law overcomes state law. How can that happen? Well, that's just, that's going to be really interesting when they come down here and try to do something. Matter of fact, I got a feeling like, uh, well, my senator said over my dead body, are they going to try to take it away? And, yeah. you know, but what I was saying at this meeting, and all they were talking about going under international guidelines, uh, wiring your home, your piping and all this. And I kept saying, I'd raise my hand, and the guy would say, yes, ma'am. I said, we can't do that. I said, it's part of Agenda 21. Ickly. And I said, no way. I said, you'll be a violation of the state law. Well, they didn't get anything done that night. And the leader, uh, the local editor of our newspaper came up, and he says, I'm not interested in Agenda 21. I've looked at it, and I don't see anything wrong with it. And I told him, I said, well, then you're not reading the right documents. And I said, of course, if you want to stay in cloud nine, you go ahead, and when they start pulling you out of your home to put you in a little urban five-by-six room, I said, then you'll be wondering, you'll be thinking about it again. 
But see, that's just it. We've got newspaper. Of course, Fox News has been really good about uh, on Agenda 21 and on what the United Nations is doing. But how many other newspapers or local newspapers or even your local governments are involved? I mean, you know, trying to tell people what's going on. Right. Yeah, take my local newspaper, for instance. Uh, I cannot think of the name of the website. I came across it. And it was funny because it was a uh, it was a big environmental article here in San Antonio. And come to find out, the editor that got fired because San Antonio Express News, man, they lost their butts. I mean, people left and right just started, you know, canceling their subscriptions. But this guy has a new uh, website, and it's it's your typical Agenda Twenty One environmental type of deal, you know, and it just goes to show you these people who are the editors of all these newspapers around the country are just greenies, they're Obama lovers, they're they're, they're just nuts, you know, but the well, bottom line now is, I'll tell you something. if they can provide the profit, profit wow. is everything, you know, the guy couldn't produce, so they fired him, you know. Well, like I said, I mean, you know, when they start losing their money and they're having to say, you can't have a fire in your fireplace or in your wood stove or you've got to, with the smart meters, cut back on your power and all, they're not going to like it any more than we are. They'll have to wake up. But the fact is they're not waking up now and helping with the situation that we're involved in. That's the reason why they are succeeding and speeding along because we don't have any news media telling us anything that we all know or what we've discussed tonight. No, they don't. And, that's and I'll tell you something else, gentlemen. About four or five years ago, my congressman, the right-hand thumb in my congressman's office in D.C., called me and asked me, what I meet with our congressman. I said, sure. He says, how about at McDonald's up above where you live? And I said, that's fine. He said, would around 2 o'clock be okay? And I said, sure. So I went up there, and we got to talking, and something that he told me. He said he told Bush that Agenda 21 would not go over with American citizens. But he never, never one time told any of the people that voted for him what Bush said or what he told Bush. At a town hall conference meeting that he had at the same fast food restaurant, which I attended, I asked him and I gave him the article from the Telegraph Daily. I'm guessing they're talking about the new world, new global reserve currency. He said he didn't know anything about it. I, I have been, over the past several years, I have found about 14 documents from the Treasury Department to the Congress talking about the International Monetary Fund and the new global reserve currency. I had a town hall conference call that I used to participate in until the last one, and they haven't called me since. I was next in line to ask questions. 
the gentleman came on, one of his aides came on and asked me what my questions were. And I told him, I said, you know what they are. I said, it has to do with the International Monetary Fund. Well, right when it was time for me to start asking my questions, and this was between 8.30 and 9 that night, the congressman came on and said, the buzzard has rung for me to go vote across the street. So the next day I looked, there was no vote whatsoever, no meeting of the Congress whatsoever. Uh, so what, what did they do? Just blow you off? Like, yeah. You know. Now, who is your congressman? Congressman Mike Rogers. Mark Rogers. Now, have you had any dealings with him since? Nope. Now, I do. He did. His right-hand thumb gave me his email address in Washington at the office. And I have sent him, like, I thought, hmm, I'm going to do something to make him see that I know what I'm talking about. So I sent him the document from the FDIC and the Bank of England agreement on bank bail-ins. Well, first I asked him, I said in an email, short one, I said, what do you think about this agreement that the FDIC and the Bank of England made? And he came back with an email in a couple of seconds. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. And I went back and said, well, you should know. And he came back and he says, well, do you have the document? And I said, I certainly do. And I said, I'll send it to you. I sent it to him, and I never heard another word back from him. Did you email him back and say, hey, I'm still here? Oh, occasionally I send him a reminder that I'm still alive and breathing. (laughs) I love you, Carol. I swear, I do too. I, I tell you one that... Brent did. Brent went and confronted his congressman, you know, about the Gulf of Mexico and the potential of using that as a base for alternative fossil fuel, you know, through the use of algae. And he said his jaw dropped like, you know, like, like he didn't know anything about it. Or he was like hit in the face, and the reason he was hit in the face, and the mouth. But we found out later that he was on one of the committees that listened to the feasibility. Yeah, you talk about pounds, right? Yeah, I mean they look at us like we're stupid, dumb people, and it just thrills me to death to just upset their little world. And uh, I mean, it gives me a great pleasure to let them know that this little girl that lives in a rural area on a little farm knows what's going on in D.C. and what they're planning for now and for our future. Well, that's why a lot of them, they don't even come to their district anymore. They just he have their... He has not held any more town hall conference yeah. meetings here in, I, in my community ever since that time that I asked him in front of about 50 people about the new global reserve currency. And I plopped the article in front of him. Yeah, that's pretty much a trend. You notice that whenever, whenever the Tea Party really came in, into effect... You know, all these all these congressmen had their town halls, and you saw people 
you know, speaking their minds, which I thought was absolutely beautiful. But nowadays, it doesn't happen. Uh-uh. They're 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 just they're avoiding all that. Well, the fact is, they thought they could use this. This I describe what's going on as a grand chess chess game. As Brzezinski wrote his book. And uh, they want us to be puns. They play in the middle of the chessboard, and they try to move us on the edge. In other words, we're not supposed to know anything that's going on unless they want us to know where they can rile us up, and then they want us to come to D.C. and protest. They're using us is, is what they're doing, or they're trying to. But I think people are waking up to realize that the GOP is not what everybody thought it was. Oh yeah, I think they had a big awakening this this week. That uh, you know uh, the the outcry of trying to get Boehner uh, out of the Republican establishment, and I think it really struck a chord that uh, people were able to influence their representatives to uh, vote no. And matter of fact, I think I don't think. Well, Boehner's trying to take them off any committee, you know, that's possible. All that the they ones that stood against him. Revenge. Exactly. Right. I had, a, now, I had a I had a friend that lives a couple. Well, I'd say maybe less than half a mile from me, and all they have a little small farm too. And she called me right when this was going on, and she said, "Carol, are you going to call my Congressman Rogers' office?" And I said, what for? And she says, well, we've got to get rid of Boehner. And I said, nope. And she said, why? I said, because he's going to stay in. And she says, what do you mean? And I said, he's not going anywhere because he's part of the global governance plan. And I told her that he said he was on, he was a member of the bipartisan committee for the TTIP treaty with the European Union. They're not going to get rid of him because he's part of it. He is part of the pushers. Yeah. And sure enough, I asked her, I said, well, what did the congressman's office say when you called him? They said, everybody is calling and wanting him out. I said, wait and see if our congressman does vote for him. Sure enough, he did. Yep. Yeah. Here's I know that was a different scenario, you know, but uh, here's my thinking on this. Okay, everybody freaked out. Boehner's still the House Speaker. I didn't. I that didn't guy know. is so emotional. I think the people will get to him. It's going to take us some time. Like I said, this is a process. It's not going to happen overnight. But I think the people will eventually get to Boehner. Well, I know that his district celebrated him getting going back in as speaker, and uh, there's a and Facebook is full of people now that are saying, "Oh, something something didn't go right." All of our congressmen said they were going to vote against him, and then they didn't they didn't vote or they didn't vote against him. And Trey Gotti didn't even show up. Yeah, what's going to happen? Yeah, that now that surprised me. But what's going to happen is every time the, the Republicans do a stupid move in the next two years, guess who's going to get the blame? Banner. Doesn't oh, matter. Yeah. What? That, that's well, what's going to happen. That for the past okay, and that's, it's going to get to him. That guy's emotional. He's, 
you know, I know the Chamber of Commerce has this little pocket and everything right now, and they're promising all this crap, but, man, I just, I don't see the well, Chamber of Commerce really, being able to come through with all their promises. Right, right. All these businesses are, businesses that are a member of the Chamber of Commerce need to get out. Chamber yeah. of Commerce is part of the communistic system. Exactly. Now, I mean, their part, they believe in this global warming, sustainability. You can go to their major website and read all that stuff. Matter of fact, one of the people that received, or a corporation that received a grand award as being fantastic, made switches, electric switches, for Hitler in the concentration camp. And that was Simmons. Oh, yeah, yep. Siemens, yeah. And we did a show about, remember that, Mike? We did a show, no, that was probably three years ago, too, about IBM and their, their uh, right. punch card. Right. Yeah, Ed, Edwin IBM Black. IBM was if part you, of it. If you ever get a chance to watch some of the Edwin Black videos on uh, some of the research he's done on Nazi Germany, it will blow your mind. I mean, he he digs into it where he implicates uh, some Jews. I mean, corporations. You know, he he holds nothing back. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try to make this fast. We've only got eight minutes left. Right. But my ex-wife, she she came to me with this bullshit story about how one of her co-workers were sexually harassing her. Okay, I was married to her back then, so I went straight to her boss. I'm like, you son of a bitch, you better fire this guy right now. Come to find out it was all a bunch of bullshit. And after years later, I found out. And I'll probably get a little personal here, but, you know, it just pisses me off that she put this guy's life on the line. Well, she, all she wanted to do is she wanted to quit working. Okay, I was making a pretty good amount of money, uh, you know, in real estate and everything, and she just wanted to quit working. And, you know, which, again, that came later on. I was like, oh, God. So what she did was she went to work. After she stayed home for a while, she said, well, maybe I will go back to work again. She went back to work for the Chamber of Commerce. All it is literally is, and she was a great salesperson. I mean, she could sell ice to Eskimos. But all that Chamber of Commerce is, you walk into a building and it's a place of business, and you do what's called direct selling. And direct selling means that you've memorized word for word, comma for comma, period for period, a a little pitch, Mm -hmm. which is old school selling. It's stupid. But you just, you go into 20, 20 businesses a day and you might get one or two. And you can end up making a pretty damn good income doing this. I oh, mean, sure. ours, yeah. cut, our, ours cuts ribbons for these little businesses that open up and close in six months. Yeah. And, all, and, of course, they were very involved in this Vision 2020 that came to Roanoke to try to implement the international laws on building codes and things. Of course, yeah. our state has has codes. Yeah, but basically well, all the Chamber of Commerce is. The Chamber of Commerce boils down to this. If you pay them dues, you get a little plaque. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Nothing more, well, nothing less. I know, uh, you get a plaque. Congratulations. Carol, to your point, <laughs> we, we've got a what they call Envision 2020 here 
So, <laughs> and it's been around, you know, first time I saw it, I said, I read it and I said, man, this sounds like some sort of communist utopia that they're trying to put together. You know, that's the first thing I said when I read it. And this was this was years ago that I, I ran into it. And I said, that, you know, because they were talking about, you know, housing and uh, you know, low-income housing and all this uh, subprime mortgaging and all this crap that we've already been through. This was before 2008. And it's like, uh, I think back on it and I go, damn, I mean, that was Agenda 21. And I would like to confront them about it now that, you know, you guys need to take this website down because we know what it is. But before but we go, before I want to mention to you a website I just website ran into just ran while into we were while talking because we I was looking up a term called sustainalytics. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Yeah. There and I've got something for y'all to, to do a little research on. Hold on just a minute. Okay. okay. I want yeah, y'all to look up the. Let's see. Yeah, go ahead. I've got it written down. Hold on just a minute. I've got to find it. It's Triffin, T-R-I-F-F-A-N, Dilemma. Because that's what we've been in. Okay. Uh, well, the one I'm looking at now is the World Pigeon Summit. So there are three. Did y'all know me? I'm just the goofy guy here on the radio show. But you know those Facebook tests you can take? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I took who is my Valentine, and I took who's my BFF. <laughs> I've got I keep my Facebook kind of small. I've got like six hundred and some odd people. But all Mike out of all the people who could be my Valentine, guess who? Guess who got it? Me. They did that little algorithm thing. Uh-huh. Carol Ray. Me. She's my oh, Valentine. Uh-huh. I couldn't be more proud. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I couldn't be more proud that it came out that way. Yeah. You know. My BFF was Mike. I've never had a BFF. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I'm still, I have to ask my wife, what does what that, what does BFF mean? Is that something bad? <laughs> When I saw Carol, and her profile was a rabbit. <laughs> right, looking at a clock. Yeah. And then the background I have down the rabbit hole, which means, you know, I'm showing everybody, hey, look, we're fixing to go down the rabbit hole if people don't wake up. <laughs> yeah, she got a little icon of a rabbit. It's cute. Yeah, for the record, I was damn proud of both of those. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. We got the uh, looks like. Well, listen, gentlemen. Yeah. I have really yeah, enjoyed it tonight, and I just think y'all are great. And thank y'all so much for allowing me to be on your show. Oh, and, uh, Carol, y'all are fantastic. You are a part of this show anytime you like. Just call in because uh, you're you're a wealth of information, and it's a privilege to have you on. So, well, thank you very much. I might be calling again in the next couple of weeks because it seems like there's a lot of things that's developing. <laughs> and uh, I think the Bank for International Settlement has a lot of things on the agenda for us that I didn't get into tonight, but I'll get into it later on. <laughs> 
Well, the main purpose of this is information, and that's what we've got to have. So, uh, guys, had a good one. Thank you very much. And, Carol, you were fantastic. And uh, I want to bid you adieu in a good night, and we'll see you guys on social media. Night, Carol, y'all, and God bless both of you and your family. God bless you. God bless you. Bye-bye, y'all. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night.